Welcome to Media Culture and Why We Feel Like Crying So Much. Each week, we use media theory to make sense of our everyday media habits, practices, and experiences. I'm Grant Latanzi. And I'm Stephanie Che. I feel like you can hear the, like, sadness in my sadness. voice. <laughs> God. I have not a, nary a single thing prepared for today. Um, <laughs> Hell yeah. But I do have some, like, informal thoughts. So. Lovely. We love but, um, that. <laughs> how was the rest of your trip to New York? It was very nice. I had a lovely time. The yeah, rest of the Thursday. trip was fine. Yeah. Lots of shopping, lots of walking around, went to New York Public Library. The nice. trip home absolutely sucked, though. Oh, no. So, Why? So I didn't realize when I booked my train that I would have a three-hour stop in D.C. And so my train was midnight to 8 a.m., which was fine. And, like, there was this person who had their alarm going off every five minutes from Uh, 2 a.m. to 4 a.m. What the hell? I wish I was, like, a little bit more direct and meaner of a person and I had gotten up and been, like, Shut that off, like, right now. You, I, like, if someone did, they would have been the hero of the train car. Yeah. Sure. Especially at that hour, like. Yeah. If you can't play a video out loud in your phone. Mm-hmm. That's so Every rude. five minutes. Oh, so my God. that happened. And, like, so I had background noises on, like, through my earphones, but you could, like, still faintly hear it through. Yeah. It was so annoying. I so was that on a was, flight, mm-hmm. and there was a guy that was just watching videos on his phone the whole flight, like, out loud. And and they let I, him? I couldn't believe how loud it was, because it, um, he was, like, in the seat in the aisle behind me. Uh-huh. And I would think if you were listening to a phone on a plane without headphones, you wouldn't hear it very well. But I heard everything no. he was watching. Oh, <laughs> so, God. It was so uh, annoying. Proper phone etiquette. Turn that shit off. <laughs> yeah, you can get fined technically um, on public really? transit. Yeah, I think there's huh. signs on the metro in DC. Wow, wow. Wish um, somebody had yelled at this person, but that was my two yeah. to four a.m. Wait, <laughs> how long did down. you say the train ride was? It was eight hours total. How? The three-hour layover in DC from four to seven. And then you had what, like a one-hour? An hour. Ride? Yeah, but After that. our engine broke, maybe like oh. a stop outside of D.C., and so we were stuck on the track for two hours, oh my and we had God. to find another train to, like, push us back to the station, and then, like, and get another engine from D.C. to wow. Alexandria. I, I have <laughs> never had a single problem with that corridor, and I, yeah. I don't know how many times I've done it. That sucks. Mm-hmm. This was, like, the first time I've had a bad train situation i didn't realize so like how far from dc proper are you 55 miles roughly oh i didn't know so you're further than where you were how far were you when you went to georgetown the same same distance yeah this was kind of a good warm-up discussion i think for what we're going to talk about because we this is sort of a nebulous topic but we wanted to talk about how we access media and for me i the way i've been thinking about that mulling it over is very materialistic like literally pertaining to the materials necessary to access things first of all before anything what do you need in my mind it's money 
Ooh, yeah. And that's hard. Mm, I guess. Yes. From the consumer side, you need money. I feel like in in the vast majority of cases, it begins with like the movement of capital, or the surrender of data. Ah, uh huh. We've talked about nothing. These is are free. not great starting points. <laughs> These are not. Think about it. <laughs> well, I guess like there's nothing. Not great as like no, sad. Yeah. Well, there's nothing wrong with the movement of capital, but like when the media when media is such a large component of our lives how we think how we work how we act it is a little troublesome mm-hmm. um nothing you, you, is free it's sort of i think of it as like a universe right like it's like mm-hmm. the, there's the media verse that exists alongside us and we tune into it with right now we use these like black box devices we are in the screen era. And I remember I like growing up, right? It was always like more screens, more digital. Like now you can do this on your phone. Now you can do this on your phone. Now you can do this on your phone until I can navigate all of New York City with just my phone. Literally, I I don't yeah. take anything else out. of. I have my keys and wallet because I'm old fashioned, I guess. But like <laughs> <laughs> you have but, Apple wallet, like literally, you technically yeah. don't need your wallet. And, and and like there was a while where not everywhere had that, and there's still places that are cash only, but they're far and few between. Um, where are these places that are cash only? I went on a whole like, rant fl- about like, this. Like flea markets and stuff. Oh, okay. Yeah, um, which I'm cool with. Um, yeah. Which we all should be. Yeah, I shouldn't say cash only, but we should be able to pay in cash wherever we go. It's so mm-hmm. fucking annoying when you get somewhere and they only take cards. Oh, yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, what are you, what, what was sort of your initial thoughts when we settled on this topic? I had so many. Oh, So great. I also thought of like, you're either paying with money or your data. Um. Mm-hmm. Which, that shit, I went on a rant on TikTok about nothing is free because you're paying with your data. Yeah. Mainly because of the birthday, like, free thing, but you need the app in order to, like, yeah, get it. They can't just look at your driver's license and it's like, oh, you really just want my purchasing habits. <laughs> yeah. Can we, can we talk about the idea of, like, free but surrendering your data? This Absolutely. comes up a lot. This comes up a lot because it's a very, very ubiquitous practice right now. Mm -hmm. And it's weird because it's like, I think it is important for people to start thinking about it as you are paying with like, there is, there's no such thing as a free lunch. You are paying uh, with something, but there's no value lost, right? Like, I don't lose anything by giving you my data. In a lot of cases, I can access it too if I know where to look on your platform. And you like gained from it too. You get like discounts and yeah, yeah. rewards and shit. But then also like by this practice of us all surrendering data, it makes possible the dynamics of echo chambers and all the Mm -hmm. other toxic things that happen online. So Mm -hmm. I guess my, my thought is like it's almost... Like, I wish there was a way to get, like, that, like, the idea that you are paying 
to be the default instead of like, oh, social media is free. Yeah. But it's almost like a moral payment because it's not necessarily, to my knowledge, the risk, like, to quote, uh, to quote the musician John Craigie, they can track me, I ain't doing shit. Like, what am I, I'm not necessarily in harm's way by virtue of surrendering the data, but I feel like there's a moral, when, when you are aware of the dynamics at play in surrendering your data and the fact that there's really no other way to play the game, like, that's, it's a little bit sad. It's not, it's just sort of like a moment that where you must surrender if you mm-hmm. want to, if you want to ride. And you, Which like, we, you kind of have to participate in the society. Like, uh-huh. Uh-huh. the only way to do it is through that. Side note, there is a article that I will try to find about the social implications <laughs> of surrendering your data and, like, mm-hmm. what people can do with your data. So. Interesting. Yeah. I yeah, I would love to see that. I was reading um I was reading up on a faculty member at NYU I wanted to contact and mm-hmm. I I I'm spacing on their name. However, they their research recently has focused on the role of like data and metrics in journalism and how pressures from uh different presses and platforms to get clicks or, you know, whatever other like dynamics are created. I didn't, Mm -hmm. I didn't, I I read summaries of the research. I didn't read any of the research. Um, But it's like, whatever happened, how does that change the actual news as it's reported? That's what her research is on. And that's scary because the news (laughs) is like how we know what's going on beyond our immediate perception. Yeah. And it's like, mm, is it broken beyond repair? And we just are like floating without a way to solidify our shared reality. Terrifying. Yes, My sister please. listened to like our first couple episodes and Yikes. she was like, <laughs> you interrupt your co-host a lot. And I was like, I know, I feel, I, it's never on purpose, Steph. I'm so no, sorry. No, like, it is all I, good. Okay. it's. I like yeah. don't notice it. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I do. So I'm trying to do it less, but I've done it like six times. So please, <laughs> I want to hear your other thoughts. <laughs> what? Like sibling feedback? <laughs> I know, right? It's yeah. So funny. <laughs> yeah, it is a very sibling y thing to say. Yeah. Not like, hey, I really enjoyed it, but like you interrupt your co host. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. I'm just literally going down a list, so interrupt okay. whatever. I and then we'll like talk about them. So the other thing that I had was the physical thing. Have you heard about like the cobalt issue that we are having with rechargeable batteries? It's literally, I was hoping that was what you're about to bring up. Yeah. yeah. What the fuck? Have you like the cobalt trade or like, just like, it's so terrifying. shitty. Terrifying. Yeah. There's a documentary about it. I can't mm-hmm. remember what documentary it is, but we are destroying communities and the what, wherever cobalt is and it's about. vital in, and it, it's vital infrastructure it's yeah. like like could that become like the new oil you know what i mean like is yeah. that going to become another thing that we 
wage wars over dare i say like it oh gosh that's such a good point read mistborn no okay mistborn brandon sanderson i'm on the second book on to the third brandy sandy Sandy. (laughs) they have this thing with like atm and i can't believe i'm referencing mistborn but like the lord has the scar like in the mines getting atm and that's like how the riches are upheld and shit and i was like literally cobalt is in everything there was a link there i don't know this is just bringing no, some I dystopian think, novels so, into my head no, it's actually have you read dune or seen the movie okay i saw the movie i got it through a few chapters i will read it <laughs> Everyone's it's not me it's too. not for everyone if you, i really like books that are like slow drawn out lore that you have oh to, like, i hate that okay so that you, <laughs> honestly you probably shouldn't read it uh because that's like that's all it is um Ew. it's like eons of space lore <laughs> um anyways it's the same thing where like there's this drug uh called spice that lets you kind of oh, see yeah. the future but like mm-hmm. you need it for interstellar space travel so it's like Mm -hmm. the most important resource in the universe and it's uh there's all these very very powerful very like ancient families that want it it's interesting because that's like (laughs) yeah like the spice trade yeah i saw a picture of someone getting pulled out of a cobalt mine and it's like like barely big enough to to like army crawl through yeah nightmare 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 and they send like children in there mm-hmm. yep mind it, you we're just and, like exploiting people and well, communities sc- to get this the scary yeah exactly like and and where right mm-hmm. global south i'm yeah assuming mm-hmm. yeah yes i feel like we're not providing like stats and facts but i will link an article below yeah we can <laughs> I mean, if anyone has anything good to say on behalf of Cobalt, like, I'm sure there are more regulated mines, and I do believe that there is, like, you know how there's, like, a chip shortage? Yeah. I think that's also sparked a lot more efforts to recycle materials, Mm -hmm. so... We'll see. Yeah, we'll see. Also, like, I hate that I have three rechargeable things, right? Four rechargeable things. Yeah. Within two feet of me. this This is what I was... I I wanted to mention this earlier, like, I remember growing up with screens around, like, more screens, you can do more on your phone, and thinking, like, there will always be screens, like, the way that this, like, it's so dominant that, like, how could this ever go away? But that's not guaranteed. Like, we could very much end up in a post-screen world where it is not necessary, it is not necessary to access the media sphere, with the screen it will be incorporated in other ways you know like i'm talking very far in the future but there is nothing to say that this will last forever that is very true but i think what's to come is more terrifying (laughs) yeah i mean people i've there's some there's some some like i don't know like speculative scholarship on the post digital i haven't really looked into it but i the, just the, the very idea of a post-digital is hard to fathom. Like, the only comparable shift to that I can think would be, like, pre-digital to, you know, analog to digital. I don't know. Yeah. 
I also was thinking another thing when I said like physical materials that we access, like not all media is digital. So there's also print media. And I find that very interesting because there's like, there's a physical form to the information that mm -hmm. doesn't necessarily in digital media, it's not so much. And I wonder if that, I, well, I guess I'm, I'm really just wondering if that matters at all. Like that, like, I don't know, because you can't separate them. Like if you destroyed every copy of the Bible, the Bible would still exist. Cause there's, it's like, it's uploaded. Like you'd have to mm -hmm. purge it from the internet. Yeah. Right. I don't want to do this. I was just thinking of like a really like <laughs> yeah. prolific book. Um, I probably should have picked a different book because that like <laughs> implicates a lot of things. Let's say like Lord of the Flies. Like if you yeah. if you got rid of every copy of Lord of the Flies, it could still exist because there's ebooks and stuff. So mm -hmm. I I'm almost like I'm looking at my books right now and I'm like, why do I have these and why do I like them so much? I just want to give like print media its due because that's another very real way that we access stuff. Like, okay. magazines are still very much a thing. Um, you know, like, journals often have print editions that you can... What, what's up? You I look like you have a better thought than me. I do not have a better thought. <laughs> I have a question. So, let's go back to news and, like, mm -hmm. the print things. Actually, and then I have another point about Amazon and annotations and owning your books and what all that shit is about. Mm -hmm. But for news... Like, you can get a physical copy of the newspaper. Yes. People still format them and push them out daily, weekly, monthly, whatever. Mm -hmm. But Apple News came along, and we were able to put everything on Apple News. It's like a one-stop shop. I pay $9.99 a month for basically all of the magazines that I could ever want to read. Um, mm -hmm. New York Times is not on there, but I get, like, Washington Post and, like, LA Times, shit like that. Oh. But, yeah, but, so that's Apple News, but then I was trying to read, like, I had a subscription to The Atlantic for a little bit, but I couldn't find a way to read, like, the magazine version. I could only read articles, like, separately, hmm. which changed the way that I was seeing things, and then, like, once I got Apple News, I was able to read the articles and be able to flip through the actual magazine mm -hmm. so there's that helps with paper whatever i love it books i love a physical book but i feel like i read more on a kindle and it's like easier for me and and, and it's cheaper still on a grad school budget like mm -hmm, mm -hmm. it's ten dollars versus like 30 mm -hmm. but you don't own that book like, that is not in front of you. Well, one, like, physically. But two, yeah. like, if Amazon goes down, what happens to all those books? Like, right. And, Can like, I add to that? Also, please. like, how am I to keep track of, like, I bought this book on Scribe, and I bought this one on Google Books, and I bought this one on Amazon. Like, whereas mm -hmm. I can look at my bookshelf, and I have, there's also, like, a physical component to, mm -hmm. for me, like, my bookshelf is mostly stuff I read for research. So there's, like, I can look at it and be like, oh, like, I want to grab all these books and, like, now I can, like, structure whatever I'm writing, like, in this yeah. area, right? I just did it the other day for the guest lecture thing I was doing. I, like, grabbed my qualitative methods books. But, like, to when when you don't have physical books, 
and when there are a smattering of places that they come from, which is how mm -hmm. I like, I, I know that I do have some eBooks on Google and like, I have some other places too. Cause you're right. Like sometimes, God, it's so annoying. Like when you do research, sometimes you need just like one chapter from a book. I know. And I'll end up bought, like paying like, <laughs> I, that's usually when I'm like, Hey, <laughs> in grad school, it's so bad. I'd be like, Hey mom and dad, like I got to buy books for school. <laughs> and I just like buy a book. But Shout out I to your to, library. Go to so, your local library for this. Yeah. Well, so I, speaking of, so mm -hmm. I should, I should have hit up the library for this, but there was a new book that's out about, um, who's his name? He wrote Critique of Everyday Life, Henry Lefebvre. Sure. L-E-F-E-B-V-R-E. -E -E. Like, this is a hell of a last name. Anyways. He so someone recently collected a bunch of his writings and annotated them into a full fleshed like critique of boredom, which is something that um L E F E B V R E was kind of trying to do in his critique of everyday life, but according to this person, he wasn't very successful or like specific. So I was Damn. like, this this sounds really interesting. And like, I've heard this guy cited and so much I've read. I think it's this would be a good way to dive into him. So I, I went to buy it and it was $110. And you could only buy it in hard copy or an ebook for $30. Oh my and it God. Was like, and it was like this obscure desktop app that you had to download to access it and like make an account. And I was like, now I have one book in there. Like, I'm never going to be able to like incorporate this into my library in no. a way that's productive. And so in a way, like, it's kind of limiting. So through the ASA, I think I got a 30% discount. And I was like, I'm just going to buy it because I really want to read this. And so I paid mm -hmm. like 70 bucks for this book. Um, God. <laughs> but like, this is why public libraries are so important. Because I am privileged enough to have expendable income to like, build a library, which is something that like, is also kind of fun for me. And mm -hmm. The important thing is like, I'm just now really appreciating like when you use media in research, you, you really have to be like savvy. Like it kind of feels like just like cutting, like it's like making a collage from all different yeah. media places. And like, sometimes you have to take an old book and type out verbatim a whole paragraph because mm -hmm. there's no digital copy of the quote. Like, um, Things like, things like that. Yeah. It's, it's interesting that those are like, that's all part of the media system now. And, you know, in another two decades, like, who knows what our relationship with print media will be like. I hope it's serious. I remember there's been this like big fear push of like print journalism is dying. Print media is dying. But like, it's not. No, I mean, Barnes & Noble just opened, like, 30 new locations. Go for them. <laughs> I don't know how I feel about Barnes & Noble. I'm all about, like, They're just, like, the stores, only but, like, alternative yeah. to Amazon right now. So yeah. Or, like, I'm, a like, small indie bookshop, which is, like... Right, which is always, like, my first go-to. Yeah. Uh, but there are some Barnes & Nobles in the city that are, like, impressive. Like, it's, like, an event to go to. And there's plenty of indie bookstores, too. But, yeah. um... Yeah, go to both. Um, yeah. I Buy think, the books. Yeah. Especially if you want to annotate them. This is yeah, my next rant. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, okay, let's hear it. Amazon owns 
all of your highlights and annotations. Fuck that. Like, yeah. Like my thoughts and reactions to this thing. And then they'll tell you, they'll tell you like, Hey, a lot of people highlighted this part. And it's, God, there was one time I was reading, I don't remember why, but I was reading like a self-help book. Not like a good, like I, I read self-help books. My next book is The Untethered kind of Soul by Michael Singer. Oh there shit, some... I read that one. Did you really? It was a long time ago, but that it's, one and it's The Power of Now. High, yeah, I read Power of Now. Mm-hmm. Both were hi- both were highly recommended to me. Yeah. Um, that was more my... philosophy-like. Which one? Then. Untethered Soul. I feel like it's oh. not as self-helpy as like. The Power of Now. No, like, uh, you are a badass, or, like, right. one no, of those, I don't think, yeah. Because, <laughs> like, Michael Singer, who wrote it, he's really interesting. He's an economist, and his dissertation was on, like, how to build a spiritually sound economic system. Um, I'm very excited to read it. And my, my copy is actually autographed, because my grandma met him. Oh, shit. A copy. Yeah, I'm, so I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, so that's another thing where, like, this is why media literacy is such a complex issue because you can look at, like, I feel like sometimes people are developing this tendency to be like, book good. Does that make sense? Like, if I read a book like The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, it's in a book. And that's where, like, smart stuff that's right goes. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying, I haven't read that book, so I can't disparage because, like, that's a bestseller. But then, like, how is there? I feel like there's a lot of people that would not necessarily be equipped to tell the difference between like a self-published book on Amazon mm-hmm. versus like a good source. And I'm I actually have a firsthand experience of this. Like, I remember before I went to grad school, I was first I was like I'd taken a course on religious art and Buddhism. Really, it stuck out to me, and I was like, I kind of want to like read more about Buddhism because I think like that belief system might like. I don't know. Like, it just was so different than growing up in a Christian society, and I wanted mm-hmm. to learn more. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I bought a book on Amazon that was, like, Intro to Buddhism, and I got the book. And right when I, like, held it in my hand, I was like, oh, this this doesn't really seem right. So I looked up the publisher. It's self-published. It's on, like, basic printer paper and bound with, like, hot glue. And All right. <laughs> you know, like, I was like, this is effectively like I'm basically like on someone's blog right now but Mm -hmm. it's disguised as a book and then after that I I went and I like did some reading about like good Buddhist writers and I found Thich Nhat Hanh who is one of the most influential spiritual leaders of the 21st century and I ended up reading this book called The Heart of the Buddhist Teachings which really just like it was exactly what I was looking for yeah and I also got it through Amazon. And it's like, how do we get to a point where people can tell the difference between those things, but then also leverage th- that difference be- vis-a-vis like a news article or like a yeah. YouTube video? Like it's all, you can't like separate it necessarily. I think that's why we have citation ways to cite everything now, like tweets and YouTube videos yeah. and shit. So big picture, I'm like, it is... I'm conflicted on this issue, right? So Mm -hmm. being on one platform and not being able to distinguish what's what and like being able to go in and be like, who is the author? What are their credentials? All of that shit. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, if we only had publishers publishing, 
there are so many voices and perspectives that are left out. Mm-hmm. You're right. And, like, that's the, like, That's what people have to learn to navigate. <laughs> yeah. It's hard. And I was, like, so there, I got this app. Uh, fucking shit. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's not what it's called. It's called <laughs> Yuka or Yucca or something. Have you heard of this? No. So it's a crowdsourced app, and it uh, if you scan something like any skincare product or food, it will tell you about what processed materials are in it. Oh shit! So, or it will also say like, "Hey, like this one's a little high in sugar. Like try the, like with granola, it'll be like here's a lower sugar granola, or like mm-hmm. this one doesn't have preservatives in it." And it'll tell you like it has like sources linked to like here's why we say this ingredient is bad mm-hmm. and this one's mm-hmm. better. They're not all great, but like it's a real, I thought it was like a really powerful tool for consumer protection when the, God, when the government's done fuck all to protect us against hazardous materials. And so I was playing around with it and then I was like, "Mm, I should figure out if this app is bullshit. So I want to go figure Mm. out who made it and why. Mm And like, you know, like what's their business model? And so I started looking into that and I was reading about like articles that were kind of they weren't harsh critiques but they were like you know like it's a starting point but people should do their own research and i'm like am i to do my own research on every material and everything i consume and what am i supposed to do go read all the rcts randomized controlled trials on the effects of these materials like that is an obscene request to make of people and to assume that they are able to just to interpret sift through all the sources out there that will tell you that like petroleum is great for you or petroleum is awful for you or petroleum will like like kill your dog like <laughs> how am i supposed to sort through all this for everything yeah. i consume and so it's not only like i guess like i'm what's really becoming clear to me in this discussion is that the ways that we access media are also the ways that we access information and that's mm-hmm. really mm-hmm. important and to yeah. not know the quality of the information is to be blind basically are we at that point though where we that is not easy to do that background info i'm just thinking like media consumption wise like Mm -hmm. somebody tweeted something you can immediately go to their everybody has a like social media presence if they're like writing now you can immediately look into like what side they're on on what issue and like that's true. That's there is a sort of a transparency. I guess it's just like people aren't doing it. Not that it's hard. I think to it's do just it. so hard know. to know like why to believe one thing over another when they mm-hmm. conflict. Like it. This is why. Like I live in a very blue area, and I don't find myself arguing politics with people that. You know, I wouldn't, I'm, I'm independent, but I, the more right-leaning views in America today are troubling. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. To put it mildly. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It's like I'm running for office. I know. Uh, (laughs) And so, like, I have reasons that I trust the Associated Press. Mm Mm-hmm. And reasons that, to a slightly lesser extent i like i trust npr but at the end of the day those reasons are that i trust the institutions behind them and 
when there is such distrust in the institutions and such an inability to be like, honestly, let me try to figure out what the truth of the matter is, because you also have to sort through like your own confirmation bias, which everyone that, has. Yeah. Like there is mm-hmm. no way to avoid your own confirmation bias. Yeah. Hold on. I have a question. Yeah. Are, am I just very pessimistic about the situation or like, is this what I am observing? I don't know. Is it that we are living in a time where people just want to be told what to think and believe and buy and like, that's the train that we're on right now? It does seem like that is something that that way, like, we're not doing our own deducing and, like... It's hard because it's, like, to what extent can I rely on... I'm thinking now of expertise, right? Mm-hmm. Like, who... I know so many people with impressive credentials that I wouldn't trust to, like, carry my dishes up the stairs. Like, I... I don't know what that expression <laughs> was. I just moved up a walk-up. So anyone who's moved up a walk-up will get that. Anyone else will be like, why are you carrying dishes upstairs? I don't know. Because it's like, just because someone has the right degree or like worked at Google in a senior position doesn't mean they know what they're talking about. And so no. it's like, I think there's also, we sort of wandered into this area of trust because how do you, like, how? How do I know that like here, like I have this book on Emile Durkheim, who in my mind is one of the most important sociological thinkers of the, I don't know, whenever he wrote, like late 1800s, I think. He's one of the big three in social theory. How do I know that? Because my social theory professor told me and it mm-hmm. was in my social theory book, but who wrote the book? And so mm-hmm. I guess I'm, I'm starting to like my own, like my thoughts on like media and creating knowledge is very much informed by my background in research. And so because the research is so hard, I'm so troubled by like an 18 year old trying to figure out, you know, like, is this a good career field to go into? Like, how do you know, like what sources to put stock into and like who to listen to? For me, it comes down to trust. And then I think about how like, I feel like every other day I'm reading news articles about how, like, trust in institutions is at an all-time low. Because mm-hmm. I also don't really trust institutions. So it's, man, it's tough. This is why we have the, why I feel like crying part of the pod. Some episodes I forget why that component is so important. <laughs> Do feel like crying today. Yeah, I think so. Mostly because I saw a mouse last night and mm-hmm. and I went immediately went to the internet and was like, there's so much advice for what to do and now I have to figure out like who's telling the truth. What to, yeah. It's literally like, it's like, you know, those old story, I don't know where this originated, but it's like one twin always tells the truth and the other always lies. What do you ask them to figure out which is which? You don't know this? I don't know this. Okay, it's like a, it's like a riddle. Like if you, okay. so you're walking down a road and uh-huh. you come to a fork in the road and there's twins and the, each is telling you to go one way. You get one question that you can ask both of them. Mm-hmm. You have to ask them each the same question. One twin always tells the truth no matter what, and the other always lies no matter what. And the, the riddle is like, what question do you ask them to learn who's who? 
I guess that's not actually what's going on, but it is a cool riddle. <laughs> that is a fun riddle. Yeah. I do feel like crying. Yeah. Um, but and I also have to go soon. So I uh, do you have do you feel like crying? I do feel like crying. Yeah, I We went down such a I thought this was gonna be kind of a like surface level one, but it's always deeper than we think. Mm-hmm. Thanks for listening. Make sure to subscribe to us wherever you listen to your podcast and follow us on Instagram at Media Culture and Why Pod, where you can share your thoughts, engage with us, and we'll keep you updated on new episodes. Join us next week where we'll unpack another part of our media lives. Bye. Bye. <laughs>